0: Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach is wasting the time of both the buyer and seller at every stage, especially when sellers are using shallow and outdated data. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights. That is linkedin.com slash trial for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash trial and get started. Please
1: welcome Drew Barrymore.
2: to the show, we premiered with five shows in sunny Los Angeles and we just couldn't fit it all in. So today you get to see it all, all the things that were just like, oh, we don't want to take that out, but we don't have time, but we want to keep this. Oh, but that was so amazing. So we picked our favorite moments that have never been seen before from our Hollywood premiere week. Um, And my goodness, the list of people are just Well, you'll see why it was so fun to have conversations with them. Um, First, we will kick it off with uh, our friend, yours and mine, and pretty much the entire globe's. It's Jennifer Aniston. When you moved from New York to LA, what were the feelings? What was that experience like? To let go and start anew?
3: Yeah, well, Let go and start a new... I don't think anybody moving, going from New York to L.A. ever actually says, I'm moving. You're you're going on a vacation. (laughs) That then just keeps extending itself because you're almost too afraid to to say as an actor, I'm going to go try to make it in California because if I didn't make it in New York for two years. God knows I'm going to make it in L.A. So I'm just going to go visit my father. And then I landed and I knew one person. And then I met another person... Who then introduced me, and then I went to this little party, like a little house party in Laurel Canyon, with maybe 12 people next thing you know I'm in a goddess circle in Laurel Canyon and I all of a sudden had someone I couldn't just talk, you have a talking stick I was like, wow I am really, I have landed in Los Angeles <laughs> and then I was, I got a job at a telemarketing company like in, East. I don't even know where it was Selling selling? Pocono (laughs) timeshares. And then I did get a a job. So I moved from Studio City. I met these people, this group of people, and they all had rentals on this street in Laurel Canyon called Beach Knoll Road. Yep. Um, One lived here, one lived here, one lived here, and they would all sort of visit each other. There was one house that everyone kind of congregated in. And then one night I was there, they were like, this one's available for rent. So then I got myself up on the hill, and we were called the hill people, (laughs) lived this fun few years doing jobs here and there, and then friends happened, which I thought I'd kind of manifested, because I said, this is sort of the way I live on the hill, where you have your friends, and everybody shows up at the house, um, at Monica and Rachel's. I was like, I feel very, this is very familiar to me.
2: Do you believe that you do manifest things? Like one is capable of manifesting?
3: I've been told to manifest, whatever it is that you are wanting to manifest, you, you speak to it as though it's already happened. Okay, I like that. So thank you for this wonderful job that I have dreamed about and prayed for and uh, with this glorious crew and a joyful experience. Thank you for that.
2: Now, it's hard to like pass by the career that you've had and jump to the next one, and then we're gonna go backwards. But Adam Sandler, (laughs) who is someone that- The Sandman. The Sandman. The Sandman can. Adam is, he's one of a kind, isn't he? He's a unicorn. Yes, he really is.
3: He's a unicorn, because he's a joy. he walks with joy, lives with joy, and he doesn't get
2: moody. He, yeah, comedians are moody. And I'm attracted to them, because I want them to make me laugh in real life. Yes. And let your girlfriends do that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. OK, so there was this uh, Twitter debate that happened about who is a better partner for Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston, or Drew Barrymore, which sounds weird to say my name. And what I loved about what came out of that was- What? <laughs> well, that you and I chose each other.
3: Oh, well, that's a no brainer.
2: Yeah. That's because, you know, the, the, there's
3: the, the, the phrase the guys like to say, you know, bros before hoes.
2: Oh my God, I was gonna say hoes before bros. Always. And that- Is sisterhood. That's right. And we have had that. And you have it with your friends. And we just celebrate that. And I loved that that was the true answer. Yeah. And that that's where our truth lies. Now, I would love to play a quick game with you because it's called Behind the Scenes. And I just want to go through a few quick movies of yours. And if you can tell me the first thing that pops into your head or a detail, fly on the wall, juicy, innocuous, anything in between. Okay. Okay. First up.
3: OFFICE space uh, shot it in Austin Texas uh, it was we had so much fun David Herman who was in that movie I went to high school with I had the biggest crush on him you did so did everybody he was hot he, he was, was like hot. A ner- hot nerd yeah hot nerd hot nerd um, what else can I remember from that it's a long time ago
2: well we love that movie that, we love that movie and it's a classic. Yes. You made like a cult classic. Uh, I know. Who knew? Okay. Mike Judge. Mike Judge. We love Mike Judge. It's a cult classic. All right. This is one of my personal favorites amongst so many you made. Oh, God. The Breakup. Oh. oh I almost moved to
3: Chicago after shooting that movie. Really? Yeah. I fell so deeply in love with Chicago. People were so nice. I also loved doing that movie. I felt like it was such a great, cathartic, you know, it was really collaborative. And um, Vince was such a force to be all of a sudden with. And, you know, it was just the cast was
2: great. We had so much fun together. I think, as someone who has spent their life trying to make happy movies and a yeah. lot of them happen to be rom coms, that one to me was a case study in how to take a romantic comedy and spin it on its head right it's one of my favorite movies ever and everybody wants thank you I, it's one of mine too all right my biggest turd jerker on the planet marley and me oh yeah that was hard but the the journey up to that point is the most joyous No. know you know it's gonna hurt in the end, and yet you just keep going on that ride over and over. I must have seen it 50 times. Yeah, and that movie,
3: again, had such a fantastic time. I had my dog Norman with me while I was shooting that movie. Norman! And I re- remember Norman? Yes, I do. And then I, rem- and I remember when we had to do the scenes that were getting really heavy about putting the dogs in the car. I actually put Norman in the in the car for my coverage and I just lost it.
2: That is a hot tip. That's what I love. Yeah. Is you as an actor, you don't want it to be fake. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm terrible at faking it. Oh, awful. Terrible. So putting Norman in the seat is what made it real for you. Yeah. The authentic or and then once after that
3: happened cuz then it just it went downhill from there, then I just it, all I had to do is imagine it.
2: Now I'm going to parlay this into.
3: No, you're going to parlay beautifully.
2: Um, you know, the morning show. Yes. <laughs> what are you channeling in that? Because it's the greatest thing I've ever seen as an actress and in your body of work. It was basically about just revisiting some of the shadows,
3: blind spots that I'd put into a particular file and meeting them head on and actually releasing them. It was like AN extraordinary therapy, better than any actual therapist that I've been going
2: to for years on end because do you think that Alex Levy is the closest character to you or that you've blessed it with some of your deepest truths?
3: Behind I think her? it's a little bit of both. Alex Levy is people, someone maybe in particular who I have witnessed in my life, people, say a combination of people who I have watched And and remember thinking, I don't want to ever do that. I don't want to be that. Then there is sort of the tapping into the part that wants to have that scream into your pillow and yell, which I never was able to do because until I did it in front of 150 crew (laughs) members. Because you wouldn't let yourself? I wouldn't let myself. I didn't know how to, uh, I like to discuss things, like to have a conversation, a rational conversation, because. If you're ever with someone who's a screamer, nothing gets done. I just go shut down, shut down, shut down.
2: What was it about this point in your life that you were like, I've was it and I have nothing to lose? It's written. It was written for me.
3: It was written for me. It was written. We talked about it. There is there's a part as you get older that you just hit a wonderful who gives a rats. <laughs> this is just my <laughs> woman. Raw-
2: Um, I thank you for sharing that with the world uh, because it's cathartic for us watching it. Thank you. I'm serious, it's, I, you. I, I just marvel, I marvel, I marvel, I marvel.
3: I can't wait to do a comedy, let me tell you that. Well. Rush me to a comedy immediately.
2: I don't after know. After completing that second season. Uh, I love her, I love her so much. Okay, we'll be right back with so much more. I get the honor of going back to school. I'd like to get my GED. I I dropped out of school very early uh, cause I was on sets going to school and I just didn't have that sort of orthodox path. And um, I really love educating myself. I love learning. I love studying. And uh, so I'm gonna go and try and get my high school diploma, which, um, <laughs> Excited about, I'm also totally sick to my stomach. When it comes to math, I really suck. So this is gonna be interesting. Um, But I feel like I can play Trivial Pursuit very well. So I just don't know what the test is yet. So it's kind of looming, but I'm very excited to to do this. Um, Has anyone ever gone for their GED here? You all made it all the way through? Well, good for you. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, I'm gonna be joined actually by three viewers who are in the same boat that I am. And um, guess who's gonna support us along the way? It's none other than, well, the most famous drag queen in the world, but really one of the most extraordinary humans who has really trailblazed in ways I just am in awe of. Ladies and
0: gentlemen, it's RuPaul. Sit down. What gorgeous chairs. It's like we're, we're coordinated here. We are what? Coordinated, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I love it. Fabulous. Well, great
2: minds um, thinking alike, and the Emmys are this Sunday, RuPaul's are Drag they? Race. Yeah. You're kidding. I know. They're, they're doing that again? You probably don't know about it because um, you win every single year.
0: Well, well. <laughs> You know, you know, I I don't I don't I don't do it for the Emmys. I do it for the children, Drew. I do it for the children. You know, they need some place to go and and shine and shine and be gorgeous and fabulous, and they are. They're so gorgeous, they're so fabulous, and we've got some real stars up on that show. And that's just Ross Matthews. Oh, um...
2: So, it. you know, one of the things that I've really loved about your journey is that it took you a very long time to reach the level of success that you reached, and... I think it's something that I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about that to people because when it takes a long time to break through, what do you say to them to stick with it?
0: Yeah, well that's the biggest challenge is staying interested in the work. You know, you, you, you started very early and both of us are, are lucky enough to have found success and then uh, stepped away for a minute and then had another chance to bite the apple again. And that and that second bite is the juiciest, it's the most delicious. It's the most long-lasting. And you know, not many people have that opportunity. This is such it's a tough business. Yeah. It's a tough business. You have to earn it, you know. And uh and and, and both of, you know, listen, it must be even harder for you. You you come from a family, a legacy of very famous actors in this town. And uh I can only imagine how tough for this kid to come up and say, I want to do that, too, and then become the success you are today.
2: Well, I think, you know, thank you. Um, I think probably adjacent to the way you felt, there were a lot of misconceptions that I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth or that I had doors open to me. Um, My family in 1975 and 76, when I started working, the Barrymores at that point uh, were not sort of in so much vogue of being the royal family. It had been a long time. Um, Unfortunately, most of them had passed. This was not like, oh, you're a Barrymore. We'll come right this way. People were like, oh, yeah,
0: the (laughs) Barrymore.
2: And when i was born into this name it was a little washed up it was a little old school it was 1970s in california the glory days were long gone and um i felt like i really had to kind of break past that and i wonder in your childhood you know what did you feel like when you were born was there A PREDESTINED, WAS THERE A SUPPORT, WAS THERE SOMETHING YOU HAD TO FIGHT AGAINST OR PROVE? WHAT WAS IT LIKE WHEN YOU WERE A KID?
0: YOU KNOW, I ALWAYS KNEW THAT THERE WAS was SOMETHING FOR ME. MY MOTHER, WHEN SHE WAS PREGNANT WITH ME, SAW A PSYCHIC, AND THE PSYCHIC SAID, YOU'RE GOING TO HAVE A BOY, AND HE'S GOING TO BE FAMOUS. SO I GREW UP WITH THAT STORY, SO I THOUGHT, OH, OKAY, WELL, um, HOW AM I GOING TO DO THAT? I DIDN'T KNOW I WOULD BECOME THE MOST BEAUTIFUL DRAG QUEEN IN THE WORLD. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, it's no, funny, not. funny, but you know, I, I, I knew that it was my destiny. I didn't know how, but I was open to it. And what we all have to do is be open and be willing to hear the universe's stage direction. There are clues. There are messages all around, but some, so many of us are so uh, uh, busy, uh, distracted that y- you can't hear that stage direction. So honestly, uh, it really, it's about Clearing a path, finding a a place where you can hear your frequency, your true frequency. And when you follow that, it's like, you know, like sometimes you see the the red tail hawks that are, are, are flying on the hot, hot winds of Southern California, and it's beautiful. But and that is available for everyone. Everyone has their own true frequency. Your job is to find it. Clear a space for it. You have to clear a space. Clear out all the Michigas so that you can can find your destiny. It's there for you.
2: Both of our moms also gave us names. Um, Your mom had listened to that psychic and wanted to honor the um, prediction of uniqueness. So she named you RuPaul because she said that's a name that's going to be unique and stand out.
0: Yeah. Isn't that funny? Isn't that? It's crazy that that it turned out that was. In fact, you know, before my mother moved on to Paris, so to speak, because she she's no longer with us, she got to see the very beginning of my career. I, Kurt Loder had done a story on me for <gasps> from MTV. For MTV, and she saw me, and literally on her deathbed, she saw me and said, RUE, is that you?" She said, Rue, you are crazy." <laughs> But that was her. (laughs) Are you so
2: relieved that she didn't miss it, that she saw your star rising the way that she always believed and predicted. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Ugh. But you know, listen, listen. It wasn't all just uh, you know uh, marigolds and, and tiger suits. You know, it. You know, I, there was a time here in L.A. when I was sleeping on my younger sister's couch with not a dime, literally not a dime, to my name. And it was it was it was when I was uh, 28 when my Saturn returns. Do you know Saturn returns? Absolutely. And it was the toughest time of my life. But I, 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 I pulled myself out of it. And my friends, people in my tribe, you know, I had to find a tribe of friends who we, who could, we could support each other. You know, they pulled me out of that and said, uh, you know, you come back to New York, there's a place for you.
2: I saw and recognized a lot of people who did believe you and give you those opportunities, but you had hard times. You were not, you had no money. You were sleeping on people's couches. You didn't know where your next meal was coming from. And sometimes I say that so that people understand it doesn't all magically happen. Right. And there's a lot of times where I'm sure it was easy to lose faith and not know where to go and how to move on next. What do you have to say to people who are in that situation?
0: It's, it's, it really is tough. But I, I got to also say that even when you make it, it's not all, uh, you know, cherry ice cream and whipped cream. What It's what actually the, the work really starts. The hard work really starts after you make it. You know, I'm still out there hustling. I'm still pitching shows and trying to make things happen while this other gig is going on. Because the best time to get a job is when you already have a job.
2: <laughs> um, now, you struggled through school. So... I think it's a testament that maybe you weren't that model student and yet you made it so far.
0: Yeah, well listen, you say struggle, I say I just had no interest in it. I was interested in being an entrepreneur. What's up, Jay-Z? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, they don't teach you how to be an entrepreneur. So listen, I was just, I was sort of wasting time. I ended up dropping out in the 11th grade and I learned everything I know from READING BOOKS AND and WATCHING TELEVISION.
2: THAT'S IT. WHEN I GOT EMANCIPATED, WHEN I WAS 14, THE COURT SAID, IT IS NOW YOUR CHOICE TO GO TO SCHOOL OR NOT. AND I SAID, OH, (laughs) BOY, I'M NEVER GOING TO SCHOOL AGAIN. SO I NEVER DID GET A HIGH SCHOOL DIPLOMA.
0: SO YOU GOT YOUR GED. I, I FINALLY GOT MY GED, YES, WHEN I WAS 19, YES.
2: And um, I'm so incredibly excited to announce the fact that um, with Rue's support, I'm going to be pursuing my GED to finally finish my traditional education. This is, oh my God, a sensation. Her record breaking debut single, Driver's License, became the first song to ever hit 80 million streams in one week. Her album, Sour, debuted number one, and every song on the album charted in the top 30. She's the first female artist ever to achieve that record. She has over 13 million followers on TikTok, 22 million on Instagram. And honestly, I think she's just won the hearts and minds of every person on the planet. I am her biggest fan. My daughters are her biggest fan. Everyone I know is her biggest fan. So please welcome the enormously talented, magnanimous, beautiful, Olivia Rodrigo. I watched the film that you've made. And um, I burst into tears. You said this thing um, that I I brought to you a quote that I I thought I just discovered it. And I thought you might find it interesting. It's by Zadie Smith. And it said, the biggest lie about love is that it will set you free. I was like, wow, I have never heard a take on we have always accepted that love will set you free. Mm -hmm. As if it's a fact that is unquestioned. So I liked that, and I was excited to present you with that quote until I want to tell you a quote you said, that I burst into tears. Oh God. Heartbreak is a two-way street.
5: Oh my God, I think... I think I was talking about song favorite crime when I said that, I believe. Um, And I just remember going through that awful heartbreak and feeling so responsible for it though too in a way like you can blame someone else and be like oh like i hate that you did that to me and i hate that you did that to me but like when you really think about it it's like you you like put yourself in a position to be hurt and and nobody's perfect and you know you must have done things wrong in that relationship too and i've uh, i've never looked at it that
2: way <laughs> and
5: I think that's a big part of the, yeah, act for forgiving another person in a breakup is forgiving yourself too. That was like a big kind of aha moment for me.
2: A lot of the film felt very empowering and you have the ear of so many people. You say this word a lot throughout it, which is proud, and, and you can direct that towards yourself. And that is something I have struggled with my whole life. How do you think that you know to reserve? that reflection of being able to be proud of yourself because I think it can help people live a different life course mm-hmm. if we all can learn from your ability to be proud of yourself because a lot of us have gone through life not doing it and it's never too late and I'm 47 and I'm asking you because <laughs> I'm mad I I actually, I've missed out
5: yeah I actually think that was something that the film helped me do I'm kind of like you in that way too, where I'm always like, no, I could always be doing better. I think, even as women, I think sometimes we feel like if we're like, yeah, I did this amazing thing, that we feel like ashamed to like say that, or we like want to be small constantly yep. or be like, I don't want to be bragging or you know whatever. Humility
2: yeah. is very dangerous.
5: Uh huh. It's
2: but, good for others, not great for us.
5: Yeah, but uh, I think I've had a hard time walking that line, so that means a lot that you um, that you appreciated that. Um, but yeah, i I think this film, you know, I made it kind of long after I had uh, written the album, and I could kind of take a few steps back and look at it from a different vantage point. And I think that was one of the feelings that I felt. I was like i was I'm really proud that I did that. And, you know, went through this kind of sad experience, and I was growing up and feeling all of these growing pains. and um I think was really proud of myself that I could, you know, take that and turn it into something. Why do you
2: think you're able to get to proud? And why do you think it's such a pitfall for people?
5: I don't know. I thought for a long time that being proud of myself was like something that was bad or, you know, too ostentatious and showy and weird. And, yes. um So, I don't know. I think, I don't know, I think it took growing up for me to realize that you can, be proud of yourself and also keep working hard at things and also be humble and be so grateful and also be so, you know, privileged. I, I come from a lot of privilege and I I recognize that, but I can also, you know, still be proud of the things that I've done with that.
2: Do you have those people Completely. that will tell you the truth?
5: Completely. Yeah, I feel like we definitely had a similar experience growing up. as child actors where you're like on a set and, I kind of talked about it a little bit in the film, but like you like do a little thing and they're like, oh my God, you're so brilliant, this is amazing. And how insecure that can make you, because I just remember being like, oh, I could do the worst thing and people could, you know, say that I did an amazing thing, so how will I know if I'm actually doing a good job? And I kind of like swung to the other side of the pendulum where I just thought everything that I did was bad all the time.
2: Okay, whoa, I'm having an aha moment. I'm not kidding, (laughs) this wasn't in my notes, but have we, accepted less in relationships to compensate
5: for that? Possibly, or I think, I think maybe we like really like criticism in that way because we didn't hear a lot of it growing up and so, I don't know, I definitely like gravitate towards people who are like that in a good way but maybe also in a bad way. That's an interesting, yeah, uh aha moment.
2: Well also, how can people like us be continually heartbroken and single. What are we not <laughs> doing right? Or what are we choosing? Or what do we need to choose in the future? Or can we be happy single? Like, sometimes if I'm just with my girlfriends, I don't need anything else.
5: Totally. I'm in an era of my life now where, I was thinking about this earlier, I'm like, oh my god, all of my female friendships have been so much more fulfilling than any like relationship that I've ever had. You know, they're so much more fun and i learned so much about myself. and. I just think that's just the relationship that should always take priority in your life. Are you, are you single now? I mean, always. I think you need to live in a place where you're perpetually single. I'm single. Even when you're with someone, I think you're you're single always. I'm really good at being alone. Mm-hmm. Are you good at being alone? So good at being alone. It's my favorite thing. When I'm like with a bunch of people, I'm like, oh, I love you guys, but like, I'm truly myself when I'm just alone. And I think my album was such a manifestation of just like pure alone time. I'm I'm an only child. Do you have siblings? Look at us! I think being an only child and you know loving that alone time was kind of one of the reasons that I got so into songwriting. It's because you know songwriting is kind of like a friend for you and I talked about this a little bit in the film too but I was going through this like really gnarly heartbreak and it was like around a bunch of people who I feel like didn't really understand where I was coming from or had never like been in that situation or related to it. And so I think by writing those songs, I like found friends for myself and like the songs like understood me in a way that I was, you know, lacking in some of my like, you know, friendships with people around me. Um, And so I think that's like a really amazing part of creation. And I think that also comes from being alone and also being bored sometimes too. I think boredom is like the, the, uh, what's the word? Catalyst for a bunch of Can anybody get to things. boredom in this
2: ADD, enriched social inundation society? How do you get to boredom?
5: Oh, it's very hard. Yeah, um, I think I like force myself to do it now too. I, I, I definitely force myself to um, sometimes sit at the piano even if I have like no ideas, just to like fool around. And I think there's a really like cool thing about doing something like that
2: do you ever like force your phone off take like space from things what what is your process I
5: need to I very much restrict all of my social media because I think it's a such a time suck and b can make you like so sad and depressed sometimes because people can be really weird on there um but yeah that's a big part of, you know, kind of maintaining mental health in today's age.
2: I do think because we're moving into, like, Meatless Mondays and the (laughs) plant-based movement and mental health is so prevalent, like, why are we not fighting for, like, a once a week phone shutdown?
5: We should. Literally, Sunday, no one's on their phones, no responding to texts, no Instagram posts. Let's start it. Let's start it. (laughs) I'm
2: serious. There is, there is a shift, a church-like spiritual shift when you disconnect mm. and I think we need to make it this like cool hip collective amazing movement that will literally change people's lives and days because when you unplug the metaphor is too apt and perfect mm. y- you make room for other stuff
5: totally. I mean, I love
2: that you say in the film like what am I going to do almost when I'm steady and good like will you know how to write when things are so stable (laughs) and does life ever even get there but you know
5: i definitely like to think that it's going to be even better then i think you have to be stable and feel full in order to give so much of yourself to your art. And so I think if you're just like constantly depriving yourself and you're constantly sad, then your art suffers. I agree. A and right. a lot of
2: people get like into drugs and they do this. Yeah. And they're like, they, it's an excuse for art. Mm-mm. I've been there, I've tried that. And I'm like, oh, you
5: know what, that doesn't, that's not sustainable. It's definitely a weird thing to like write about your personal life sometimes, but. No, <laughs> it's the only
2: way. I think so. To do it. And when you write, do you think about someone hearing it, seeing it, listening to it, or do you write it just for you?
5: Never. I always write just for me. (laughs) I knew this. I knew this about you. I knew it. I think the second you start thinking about how something's going to start being perceived, it just loses all of its magic, and I think it I try to be as vulnerable and honest as possible in my songs. I think that's like one of the hallmarks of good songwriting. And I think when you're thinking about how people are going to perceive it, it just makes it so hard to do that. It's so anxiety-inducing. So, yeah. such
2: a relief to hear you say that.
5: (laughs)
0: Yeah. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network.
2: the Drew Barrymore Show, and my favorite never-before-seen moments, okay? I'm very excited about this. Here are some of those moments now.
4: We have to talk about this, you know, Drew and I were obsessed with Bridgerton and we already shed a tear or 10,000 tears about Regé Jean Page leaving Bridgerton. We wore black veils, Ross. We did. We
2: looked like we were having a funeral when Jean uh, Regé
4: left. Yeah, well, um, because it deserved it. Did you guys watch Bridgerton? He was so good, so hot. Well, And now he's gone and insider reports that he knows how to exit gracefully from a group text because when it was announced that he was not coming back for season two, apparently the whole cast was on a group text. And he says that he respectfully removed himself from the cast's uh, WhatsApp group text. That means it's official. He's leaving. And it's good advice for all of us to not overstay your welcome. I don't know about you, (laughs) but I do not love a group text because I'm sorry. Everybody out there, don't you work? Don't you have a life? Leave me alone. People text too much. When, something about a group text, people are oversharing. I'm shocked to hear you say this. Uh, well, listen. You seem like the president of a group chat. I have perfect, great, beautiful intention when I enter a group text. But then, like, I'm sorry, like 45 texts in, I'm like, mute. You know how to do that? I don't know how to mute it. I'll teach you. Okay.
2: Well, actually, I'm the opposite, Ross. Um, I have to say um, that the last group text I was on, I have record oh, of. She Harris. got receipts. Look. I, I do. Um, Lee Harris, who actually is. The stylist that I've worked with for 20 years so yes Lee Harris hero and he gets me and we all went to Austin Texas for Chris Miller who's one of the producers of the show and my partner of 25 years in business um, and uh, that's why it works um, and uh, so Lee decided to leave the group chat And I said, oh, excuse me, Lee, and I brought him back in. Oh! And I said, do you have somewhere better to be? You're not getting out of this so easily. Oh my God. So I'm like the exact opposite. It said Lee Harris has left the conversation and I added him back in. Really? So, yeah. I don't even know how to leave a conversation. I don't know how to mute.
4: I'll teach you how to mute if you teach me how to leave. (laughs) Deal.
2: So for the last month, everyone's been asking one big question. Splish, splash, should we be taking less baths? Vogue reports that it's the latest trend in Hollywood hygiene. Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis say that they only bathe themselves and their kids when they see dirt. Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell say their family waits until they smell the stink. Oh, Whoa. And Jake Gyllenhaal he says he barely showers because, quote, we naturally clean ourselves. And you know the ladies are like, oh. Okay OK.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, Ross, to bathe or not to bathe, that is the question.
4: What do you think? Do what you want. If you want to save it until you smell the stink before you bathe, good for you. But not, not Ross Matthews. I don't play like that. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just feel like I can't be my best self unless I smell artificially clean. <laughs>
2: what do you guys think raise your hand if you think that you don't really need showers all the time
4: thank you (laughs) all right next up one of hollywood's finest um christopher maloney (laughs) you know him well recently he, he was on the cover of men's health looking like a total zaddy at age 60. he's 60 years old you guys But now, the New York Post reports dictionary.com's just added the word Zaddy, and it's defined as an attractive man who's also charming and self-confident. And if you look it up, uh, my picture's right there, no, it's not. (laughs) Chris Maloney says now that he knows what it means, he is happy to be America's Zaddy. Look at this Zaddy, Chris Maloney. Oh my
2: gosh. I also think it's weird that the word daddy isn't in the definition of zaddy because it feels like that's kind of what it's
4: going for. Yeah. Like a new take on like, hot dad? That's exactly what it is. So it's if you see someone, you're like, oh, hey, he's a daddy. Fine. But if you see someone, he's like, oh, he's a zaddy. That means a daddy with a little something extra, a little bit more. Also, I
2: think most people get creeped out at the thought of a dad and it just, the fantasy dies right there.
4: Absolutely. So this is more of an
2: acceptable way to um, objectify
4: someone. Yeah. Ding, (laughs) ding, ding. We have a winner. Can I just, can I get over how good he looks though? You guys, it's 60 years old. Like what is he eating? What is he doing? Can I do it?
5: Uh,
2: yes, I am for more Z-words in Scrabble, and I'm also for more help with Z-words. But I remember speaking of dictionaries when ZA went into the dictionary, and that was a big day for me in Scrabble, you know, because I was like, finally, because you get that Z and it's a hot 10 points, and you don't know where to use it. A hot 10 points. It is. That's a, big
4: ti- that's a big, fat tile. So can we use Zaddy in Scrabble now? Is that official? Can we do it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's about time. By the way, we needed a new z word in Scrabble. All right, well, next up, apparently, it's not just Jen and Ben who are getting back together. A new relationship study says many people hook up with their exes, and you know what? Women, I didn't mean to point at you, women. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've, oh, I've got around the band with the exes. Of I was going to ask That's what you. we do. It's
2: Because it's, yeah. you're convinced that... It's unrequited, maybe you've changed, maybe it's unfinished, anyway, keep going.
4: Well, women, I would say women do it more than men do and it sounds like you are one of them, yeah. Uh, Women and Home says the study found that 54% of women had slept with an ex while only 14% of them actually wanted to get back together. They were like, I quit it, but I can still hit it, you know. Well, dude with the sign, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) and yet you
2: can never tell them because guess what the second they get back together you're in the Mm doghouse well i can't wait to be back at the desk with you rossi we'll be right back
1: support for this show comes from atlassian atlassian software like jura confluence and loom help power the collaboration needed for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone
2: Thank you so much for watching this very special episode of some of our favorite moments that just weren't able to air because we had too much of a good thing. So please take all this good energy with you, and maybe we'll see you soon.
1: Up. Bedtime's about to be a dream. It's good night bedtime stories. A perfect way to end the day. Good night. Introducing Nickelodeon's Goodnight Bedtime Stories. It's the only podcast where the best part <sighs> is missing the ending. It's bedtime the Nickelodeon Way.
5: Listen to Nickelodeon's
4: Goodnight Bedtime Stories wherever you get your podcasts.